This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. I get the pleasure of continuing to read uh, God's Word aloud, and I love doing that. So um, we're going to read from uh, Psalm 61, uh, page 462 in the Blue Bible. And if you're able, please uh, stand for the reading. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. Psalm 91, 2 through 4. John 3, 17. Luke 10, 18 through 20. Exodus 14, 13a. Hebrews 4:12 says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged. Sword. It cuts, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. My whole life changed. 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 Again and, and welcome. The last two years have been uh, some really uncomfortable years, uh, have they not been? Normal life circumstances and troubles can already lead to seasons of uncomfortability, but adding on to that, a worldwide pandemic has certainly added gasoline to the fire a bit. I was, full disclosure here, I was that guy in December of 2019 and January of 2020 that was trying to calm people down for what some predicted to be turbulent times up ahead of us for all the world. Surely I thought this COVID stuff isn't going to be near as bad as what some doom and gloom people suggested. So I thought, and boy was I wrong. Our world got turned upside down and it just happened to be a political year on top of it. It was, and then we didn't have the Olympics to tune into. It was a mess in 2020. I'll never forget in March of 2020, when the United States officially shut down, businesses shutting down, travel restrictions, and churches during the season of Lent, having to gather online, many of them and not in person, choosing to. These last two years have been some of the most uncomfortable times that we have lived through in many generations, some would say. 
And the reality is when we are in the middle of uncomfortable times, it can be easy to be panic-driven, irrational, hypersensitive, fear-consumed, toilet paper hoarding. We st I still don't understand why my wife has so much toilet paper in our closet. I said, honey, why are the boxes still coming in? Or I sometimes think she may be wanting to TP one of the neighbor's homes, but I'm not sure that's the case. And as I look back personally at the uncomfortable times in my life and other friends and family members who I love, and as I consider the Word of God and the real-life stories that are packed within it, on the topic of comfortability, this one thought had come to my mind. During times of trouble, true comfort is so much more appreciated. And during times of trouble, false comforts are so much more easily exposed for what they are. For those who know even a sliver of the story of King David, you understand that David seemed to be acquainted with troublesome times quite often throughout his life. Some may suggest that he brought some of those troubling times on himself, and he certainly did, and other times he certainly did not bring upon himself. David finds himself in Psalm 61 in an incredibly uncomfortable time. And as a result, Psalm 61 is birthed. David seems to be at the end of himself. He is weary. And thus, we have the gift of Psalm 61. And so let me read just these first two verses again this morning. In song form, in poetry form, Hebrew poetry, he writes, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Let me share what is quite likely a part of David's pain. You may be wondering, when was this possibly written? Well, a part of what David was feeling, many historians and scholars believe through the hints that he gives throughout this psalm, is the fact that it wasn't too, too long ago, his daughter Tamar was sexually abused by his own son from a different wife. And then Amnon, who was that son who physically abused his sister, was then murdered tragically by his brother, Absalom. And now Absalom, after David had seemingly forgave him for doing such a thing to his son, Absalom has now co-conspired with many others against his own father and king, King David. And now David is being exiled. 
and he is fleeing from his own son. Thus, Psalm 61 is birth. And for some of you, David's pain is not hard to imagine at all because tragically enough, you have and maybe even are experiencing similar pain, abuse, destruction, betrayal, may not simply be ideas for you, but they may be very real and near to you in this season. And this is what David is most likely dealing with. And I would suggest that David's response in verse one is a very natural and right response for us to have in times of trouble. How does it start? Crying out to God. That is how it starts, crying out to God. When you are placed in a position of weakness, we learn here from David in this Psalm to simply be vulnerable with God. Open your heart up to him in all of your raw and real emotions. Open yourself up to him, be vulnerable with God. Vulnerability with God is such a gift. Maybe you've been vulnerable with other people in your life before and they have taken that vulnerability and they've taken it to their advantage, whatever that may look like. The beautiful thing about God, the one who created you, the one who knew you before anyone else knew you, the one who knitted you in your mother's womb, as Psalm 139 declares, the great thing with God is in your vulnerability, he never takes advantage of you. Vulnerability in troubling times are acts of worship. Vulnerability in troubling times are acts of worship for the people of God. Our vulnerable cries in troubling times are not signs of fear necessarily, although that can be a real thing, but rather they are fruits of meekness. Meekness is not necessarily a popular term in today's Western culture. Meekness is not a resignation to fate. It's not like being a pagan fatalist, that is to say, believing in the sovereignty of God, believing that, we, which we do, that he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. But in that belief, we just kind of step back and say, then what's the point of crying out? God's already ha God already has a plan here. He already has things figured out. What's the point of me crying out? We're either doomed or we're saved. He's figured it all out. I'm not crying out. The beautiful part about the sovereignty of God and the people of God is even though, yes, God is sovereign, he knows the beginning from the end, he has a plan and it will be established, it will become fulfilled. Even though all of that is true, he fulfills that plan through you and me and our cries. That is how he establishes it and makes it come to fruition. That was his will and is his will. And so we're not fatalists, just sitting back, saying, oh, well, this must be what meekness is. We just sit back and let God do what he does. We don't cry out to him, there's no urgency. No, 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 friend. We lean in to the circumstances that surround us. 
in prayer and in vulnerability with God. Meekness is not a passive or reluctant submission to the events that are around us, saying, ah, they'll figure themselves out. God's in control. But I've heard it said rather that meekness does not identify the weak, but more precisely the strong who have been placed in a position of weakness and they persevere and they stand up under it and they endure through it. This is the attribute, the fruit of meekness. So when I find myself in a position of weakness, I know God is most likely putting me there so he can display his strength and his plan through me. And oftentimes positions of weakness cause us to do what as the people of God? They cause us to depend on him more, to lean on him more, to cry out to him more when you're in a position of weakness like David finds himself here in Psalm 61. So I'm not simply a weak person passively accepting my lot in this life, but I pray that I am more like a meek person in a position of weakness at times, but eager for God to display his power through little old me and that his plan may prevail. As such, Charles Spurgeon once said, Tribulation brings us to God and brings God to us. I love that. Faith's greatest triumphs are achieved in her heaviest trials. In uncomfortable and troubling times, it is imperative that we cry out to God, but what we cry out to God is also extremely important. The psalmist cries out what? Lead me. In troubling times, do you find yourself crying out to God to lead you? Or do you find yourself crying out to God, why? Why'd you do this? Why is this happening? The psalmist here does not cry out that cry. He cries, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That is a call of surrender. May our vulnerable resolve be that of David. The rock here is a metaphor, many of you Bible scholars know this, a metaphor for protection, for safety, for salvation. It's a metaphor for God and the stability that he brings to a believer's life. David is humbly searching for true comfort. He's not concerning himself with a false or a counterfeit comfort. You can't find this kind of comfort in the supermarket or your bank account bag of Nabisco. Jesus spoke a, a parable on wise and foolish builders. If you remember in Matthew chapter 7, there are these two builders. It's towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Two builders. One builds his home on the sand. Hears the word of God. He is like one who hears the word of God and does not put those spiritual truths into action. But the other is one who hears the word of God, puts it into action in Jesus in this parable, says he is like one who builds his house on the rock. The storm came to both homes. Tribulation came to both homes. Trials came to both homes. Unfortunate, uncomfortable circumstances came to both homes. One fell down, one persevered. The one that was built on the rock made it through. 
This is the idea of the rock. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And it's even more than just leading, God leading you to the rock. Because you must understand this, you can be led somewhere but not be placed in the place. You see what I'm saying? So I, I can be led to the church, someone can lead me, I can get an Uber and, and I could get to the front door, but if I'm not placed inside the church, I'm actually not gathering with God's people, right? You can be led there, but I believe this prayer from David in verse two is even beyond a leading me, but it's a placing me on the rock that is higher than I. Many of us know where the rock is, who the rock is. But some of us maybe haven't been placed on the rock. We know, we see it from afar, we know where to get to, but maybe we haven't been there and been positioned on the rock. Once again, vulnerability and transparency in uncomfortable and troubling times are acts of sweet surrender and unpolished worship. Let's keep reading. Psalm 61, verse three, David continues, says, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. A strong tower. It is important for us to see that David derives his confidence from recalling the faithfulness of God to him. David can look back to the faithfulness of God in his current uncomfortable circumstances and be confident that if God delivered him then, God can surely and will surely deliver him now. If God was faithful then, God can and will surely be faithful now. Faithfulness when he was a shepherd, when he was before Goliath, when Saul sought to kill him, he can look back and say he was faithful then, certainly, surely he can be faithful now in my circumstance. When you have your comfort and confidence in God, you don't need counterfeit comforts and false comforts. A common confident or a common confidence, rather, that many of us can struggle with is placing our, conf our confidence or our faith and our trust in money, in the resources that we possess. In Timothy Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods, he talks about the power of money and how it ultimately never satisfies us. He talks about how so many prominent men and women and business owners who were leading successful organizations during the huge financial crisis in 2008 ended up killing themselves because they were in such despair because their, their portfolios were crashing before their very eyes and they could not have predicted it nor imagined it. They placed all all of their hope in their future, in their portfolios, in their 401ks, which was tragic when it happened in 2008. I, I recall some people who were on the brink of retirement and they had to come up with an audible. And, and that's tragic. But when our whole entire hope and faith is placed in that, in a pipe dream, 
it can easily be stripped from us in a moment. Money can certainly be a counterfeit comfort, but what else can be? Position? Authority? Physical beauty? Check me off that list. Popularity? The list goes on. What are some other physical uh, or counterfeit comforts that we may hold on to in this life? These things give off the appearance of a strong tower in one's life. They seem strong enough, but even though it may be as tall as a skyscraper in your mind, its foundation is as strong as a chicken coop in reality. But peace is the confidence that what God says he is or who God says he is, is true. That what God promises to be, is to be. True comfort is found in this understanding that God is who he says he is and what he promises is true and right and can be trusted. In another Psalm, Psalm 20, verse seven, David writes, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. By the time March of 2020 hit for me and my family, we were about three months in the process with this church and the search committee. We're about three months. We were making some final decisions. We were considering, okay, what realtor do we go with to put our home on the market? And then March of 2020 hits and everything is shut down. And we're like, okay, God, we've been praying. Like if doors need to close, let them close. Is this a door? And as it closed, what's, what's gonna happen? We were finding ourselves in even more uncomfortable times. We're making financial and final decisions on whether we would accept this call away from the comforts of our hometown, our family, and would we accept this call to a new season, a new area, a new position in life? We were confident in the call of God at the time, but we were nervous even before the pandemic about the response of the people who we poured our lives into for some five years, who I had the opportunity to shepherd for five years. We were nervous about the response. We had a core team that was aware each step of the way of what was going on and what decisions were possibly coming down the road for us. But there were several, there were many from the church that did not have an idea because we wanted to make sure we shared with them when it was sure and then when the pandemic hit, instead of sharing this news with people in community face-to-face, which is such a blessing, we were going to have to share it over phone calls, in FaceTimes, in videos, in Zooms. Oh, and it was in that uncomfortable time that it was going to be difficult for me to find comfort in community because I believe one of the gifts that the Lord gives us is finding comfort in community. And I run to community. I love community. And that was going to be more challenging during the start of the pandemic. My family and I were going to have to run to the strong tower of God. And we were going to have to trust that if he called us to Western Michigan, before the pandemic, he seems to certainly still be calling us to Western Michigan during the pandemic. 
However, it intensified the uncomfortability, but it reminded me that when God calls you to something, it's rarely ever comfortable anyway. God rarely ever calls me out of into new seasons to comfortability. Here, son, I want you to kick your feet out. Relax for a few years. You've done good, kid. No, it's usually not how it works. A seed is buried and covered in dirt before it ever produces anything of substance. Muscles are sore and tore before they ever see substantial growth. And within God's providence, he often allows us to travel through the wilderness where it feels like we are on the edge of the earth. And it is there where we can either run from God in hiding or we can run to God with crying. And we have to choose what our response will be. Let's read verses four and five in Psalm 61. Psalm 61 verse four, David continues and says, I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Verse five, for you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. It's times like these, the times that we are in now that can help to remind us where our true hope is found. It's not found in us knowing when things are going back to normal or the normal that we want them to go back to or knowing when the end date to all of this is, if we've already seen the end date, if we're going to see the end date, whatever. At the end of the day, the hope is found in a God who we can abide in forever, who we can take refuge in forever, who will hear our cries forever and he will receive us forever. The word dwell there in Psalm 61 means to be a house guest. Intent is most likely a reference to where the Ark of the Covenant resided. When David cries, let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings, it is often suggested that he is speaking of the Ark of the Covenant here. On the top of the Ark, the covering, it was called the mercy seat. Many of you know this. And on top of the mercy seat were two cherubim whose wings were outstretched and they covered the mercy seat. In Exodus 25, 22, we see that the mercy seat is where God promised to meet with the people of God. Thus, David, when you look at this psalm through understanding the Ark of the Covenant and what it represented, David is saying right here, this is the place where you promised to meet with your people under the wings of the cherub. That's where I want to be a house guest forever, David is declaring. Do you see what David desires here in the end of all of this? David desires to be with God. That's his full desire. That's his central focus. He simply desires God. Yes, he desires safety. 
Yes, he desires protection against the foe, which most likely happens to be his son and those who have rebelled with him. But more than that, I believe David simply desires God. He wants to be with God. In troubled times, is God your first call? Is God the one who you cry out to in troubled times? It reminds me of one of the closing songs that we sung last week. I believe it was in our contemporary service. It's called Run to the Father by Cody Carnes. The chorus says, I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again. David is running to the Father here in Psalm 61. He's running to the surgeon. He's running to a friend. He knew that God was his only hope in this life, in the life that is to come. David knew and understood, understood the surpassing worth of knowing God and being with him in community. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And if we will allow these desperate times to drive us to abide in the Father, every other false comfort, every other false hope, every other counterfeit God will be exposed for what it is. Fake, phony, fool's gold. Would you pray with me in an extended time of prayer this morning as I pray these words that were on my heart And I will also recite Psalm 61 together, concluding our prayer. Let us pray. God, would you give us the real thing? Don't allow our hearts, Father, to grow content in anything less than what you created us for, which is true worship, true relationship, real union with a real God. Help us to not be a people who simply want stuff from you. Help us to simply want you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I want my heart's initial response to cry out to you and to not hide from you, God. And thank you, God, for fulfilling all of these cries in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, our faith and confidence in you grows. So Father, would you help us to grow in our faith and in our confidence in you? We've made most, many of us have made most likely vows to you, many vows. Some I'm sure that we have broken and some maybe we've gone through with, I'm sure. But Jesus, you were broken for us and you never broke a single vow. You rose from the dead, Lord, just like you said and you vowed that you would. And when we cry out, you hear us because you are, as the author of Hebrews declares, a high priest, You are a high priest, but we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one in Jesus who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet, Father, your son did not sin. 
Therefore, we can approach your throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Your word says in Psalm 61, Father, may these words resonate in our heart this morning. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. Father, may our heart's desire simply be to want to be in your presence, to want to worship you with every fiber of our being, with every day of our lives, in every area of our lives. Father, may we not run after fool's gold, but may we run to the true riches and the richness that is found in a relationship with our Lord and Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. May this be our heart's desire in comfortable and in uncomfortable times. We thank you and we pray these things all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen.